What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Got an awesome show for you today. Part two of my interview with Jason Quick is going to be in the second and third segments. If you missed part one, it's waiting in your feet. It's the one right before this. You don't need to listen to them in any order. It's about the same thing, but make sure, don't don't miss it. Make sure, make sure you catch them both. Uh, Jason was kind enough to join us, and uh, I just cut it into two parts because we went a little bit long. So in the second and third segments, uh, you'll hear Jason and I discuss Gary Trent Jr. and Damian Lillard and sort of what the Blazers are going to do over the next uh, little bit when they're shorthanded. But before we get there, in this first segment, I just want to look at the week ahead. The Blazers are in a weird situation. Uh, this was supposed to be a night in between two games against the Memphis Grizzlies. Grizzlies had won five in a row. This was going to be a really tough test for the Blazers who had... Struggled, quite frankly, uh, with uh, on Monday against the San Antonio Spurs and didn't look good. And it was um, going to be another sort of one of those Western Conference teams that you assume is maybe not a playoff team or is a sort of is that half tier below the Blazers are going to be the outside looking in or a play in tournament type team. But all of a sudden with the with the injuries, this is sort of where, where the Blazers are and they kind of need to prove themselves against teams of this quality. Uh, I thought this these two games, uh, you know, Wednesday at home against the Grizzlies and then Friday again at home against the Grizzlies would be uh, sort of an interesting test to figure out where the Blazers are. Uh, I do think the double home meetings, the back-to-back meetings with the same team on the same court is a little bit strange for judging teams, but I still thought the Grizzlies were going to be a wonderful measuring stick. But that's not how it worked out. Uh, the Grizzlies in in COVID protocols don't have eight players uh, who are outside of contact tracing who are allowed to play. It sounds like the league is kind of changing things up in that regard. Um, it, it kind of sounds like when when teams have a possible exposure, the league is just going to sort of pull, pull them out of the rotation so the Grizzlies have you know uh, three straight games canceled over a little less than a week and then I think the league will push those games to the back half of the schedule and try to figure it out from there Uh, the COVID stuff with the NBA is really weird they're in a strange spot Uh, I don't want to litigate that here in this segment but let me assure you that I find it um I find the NBA incredibly um, fulfilling. It's my you know my favorite thing to do in the evenings is watch NBA basketball. But it is uh, the league is in a strange place as it tries to continue this venture um, during an ongoing pandemic. But because the Blazers don't play uh, the Grizzlies in these two games, because they have Wednesday and Friday off, they get a bunch of practice time. I talked, we talked about that. Jason and I did in uh, this the podcast right before this. So he he offered some insights and in sort of how the Blazers are addressing that downtime that I think are worth listening to. And I won't repeat them or spoil them depending on what what uh, order you're listening to these two podcasts. But listen to both. Let me tell you one more time. In any case, the Blazers get this extended time off, right? Five straight days, and they don't play again until a back to back home against the Knicks on Sunday and then a home game to close out what would have been a seven-game homestand against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Then they close out the month with a game Thursday. They got a couple days off and play Thursday at Houston against the Rockets in Houston. New look Rockets with Victor Oladipo in tow. And then they close out the month on on January 30th, Saturday against the Chicago Bulls. Many of you had pointed to this streak. A couple of you listeners in in, uh, in the mailbag world thought that the Blazers could run off seven straight games. Uh, this is prior to injuries and stuff, and uh, and even others were saying, you know, this is the Blazers could you know, be 20 games into the season and be 14 and six. Certainly times have changed since that level of optimism, but I don't think they necessarily should this week. I think 
in in lieu of doing sort of team diving deep team specific previews uh i'll tell you the knicks are better maybe better than you think they've been terrible for a long time and they're pretty good but in lieu of doing sort of team specific deep dives in part because who knows if these games will be played or not during under the current climate but i think just looking at the week ahead just sort of as a zooming out a little bit to look at the week ahead uh I don't think your um, opinion of, of of these being winnable games should really change. The Blazers are good enough to beat both the Knicks and OKC. The first back-to-back the Blazers played this year against the Indiana Pacers, they got smoked. It was one of their uh, least impressive performances of the season. So I think just being able to be competitive on the, and playing two games in two days, especially after a big rest, will be important. It, I'll be curious to see what the Blazers install in, in with uh, some extended practice time. I think that'll be an interesting. In general, uh, if you listen to this podcast, you know that I don't think I don't think blowouts are super informative. Like I think the Spurs game, the Blazers got blown out, but I think that was informative because Blazers didn't look good. But I'm not ready to sound the alarms just yet. Like I have concerns about this team. They're a bad defensive team that has gotten worse on defense due to uh, injury sustained by Yusuf Nurkic, and there's some real question marks other whether they can, if they can improve there, or they're going to be terrible all season long. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to dismiss that as a concern. I think that's a real one. But I'm not going to sound the alarms after a bad game against the Spurs. That was a bad game, uh, but I will wait. I will wait to sound the alarm and then I will smash that button as hard as I can after this week because I think to close out January, they have four winnable games. The Knicks and the Thunder are, are, are more competitive than I assumed they would be this year, but those are the Blazers have enough talent to beat those teams. At Houston, a really good test and a winnable game. Uh, the, the Rockets maybe on paper have a little more talent, but if particularly if Christian Wood isn't healthy, he's going to miss uh, a couple games this weekend. If he doesn't play, the Blazers are maybe better, just straight up better than Houston is right now. Uh, the Bulls thumped the Blazers in an earlier meeting, and that was before the, the uh, injuries really hit. So I think to close out the Month, that's that's an interesting one. The Bulls aren't a bad team, and Zach Levine has been uh, you know an All Star level player. But again, I don't think the the Chicago is so much more talented that you say, okay, well you know this is probably a loss. Let's move on. I think there will be games in the future where you say the Blazers aren't as good as this team, so let's let's not read too much into it. But I think these four games, these four games, absolutely to close out January and move us into February, the final month before the All Star break or whatever it is before the mid season break. I think these four games will allow us to figure out where the Blazers are. Like I said, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to sound the alarms. I'm trying not to overreact. I'm, I'm. If you listen to this podcast, y'all know I'm generally fairly pessimistic about the Blazers' chances, but I am. I'd like to see what Anthony Simons does in a defined 12 minutes off the bench. I'd like to see what Gary Trent Jr. does, knowing that they need him to take a bigger share of the offense. And I want to see if Rodney Hood can build on a nice outing against the San Antonio Spurs. I'm maybe not as bullish on what I'm hoping to see from the Blazers' front line, but I I think these are four winnable games, and I think these will give us a good read on where this team is at. If they get smoked in any of these games, I think it's time to sound the alarm. If they're competitive and they win three out of four, then you kind of know where they're at, as they're not one of the bottom feeder teams. They're just they're gonna be relatively competitive and they're gonna and they'll have to figure it out against the top tier teams. I kind of think that's who they are, and I, I'm not sort of expecting them to go three and one this week. I think a split is probably more likely, but it's this is this these are still good tests. When they were going to be sort of winnable games that you really needed to bank before, injuries have changed that, and now these are these are useful tests for us determining what we know about this roster as is. 
when I record this show next week, Friday show next week, if it's time to panic, you'll hear me panicking. You'll hear me. I am not afraid to call a spade a spade. If the Blazers look like crap, I'll tell you they look like crap. But I'm the Spurs game was extremely underwhelming, but it wasn't to the point where I said this team stinks and has no chance. Four games by the time, you know, by the time I'm promising this Friday show, three games before that to really see what's up. I think we can learn a lot about the Blazers this week, and I want to give you cautious optimism. They can still, these are all winnable games ahead on the schedule. So head into this week, head into this weekend's game against the Knicks, not sort of, don't panic yet. Let's not panic yet. Let's all agree not to panic yet. There'll be a time to panic, and I guess I'm putting it at next Friday. That's where I've that's where I've laid the panic border. Let's get there first before we freak out. Let's uh, let's give this group a chance to see what they can do. All right. In the second segment, I'm going to play you more of my interview with Jason Quick. Like I mentioned, this is part two of the interview. We talked a bunch uh, in the episode that posted on Thursday evening. So if you have not listened to part one of the interview, make sure you check that out. Doesn't matter what order you do it, but make sure you don't miss it. Jason was kind enough to lend us his time, and uh, he's he has great insight on the team. So I recommend you check it out. But before we get to that interview, I want to tell you all about Bet Online. Look, it is betting season. There's no other way to put it. The NFL has two conference championship games this weekend. The NBA has action every single night. And there's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust when it comes to online sports books. That's betonline.ag. And you can sign up today, right now, and you'll get a free account. And you can use a promo code while you're there, locked on, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Don't sit on the sidelines. Get in on the action. Like I said, it is betting season, y'all. And when you're visiting betonline.ag, make sure you use the promo code locked on. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right. So I put my I put my flag down in segment one. We're not going to panic yet. We're going we're gonna to give the Blazers one patient week before we panic. But here in the second segment, I want to play you more of my interview with Jason Quick of The Athletic. He joins me on Thursday evening to talk about the team and lend his expertise about what he sees going on with this group. In this first part here, I asked him about Gary Trent Jr. because, frankly, I want to know what's up with a guy who's ready to have a a larger share of the offensive load. Are you concerned about Gary Trent Jr.'s inconsistency? Like, what do you make of that? You, you've been a guy who's who you told me last time you were on this podcast that Gary has been good for a long time, and we're we're past the anniversary of Gary Trent's breakout game. It was it was twenty first mm-hmm. birthday, which he turned twenty two on Monday. Uh, he has not had back-to-back games where he scored in double figures yet. He kind of mm-hmm. has vacillated between being very good and very bad. Like, what what mm-hmm. do you make of the Gary Trent Jr. start? I uh, being twenty-two, yeah, <laughs> probably. You know, yeah. Uh, and I still think he he doesn't quite know on a night-to-night basis exactly how much he's going to play, who he's going to play with, and what position he's going to play. I think it, I think they've been all over the place with him this year. And that's not blaming anyone, but 
I think that matters to some players. They like to know sure. when I'm coming in, who I'm playing with, and what position I'm going to be guarding. You know, they, they're totally. having him play anything from – I don't think he's played power forward yet this year, but he's played one, two, and three uh, and guarded one, two, and three. So uh, that's a lot. That's a lot for a 22-year-old. But, um, but you're right. He's been wildly inconsistent. Uh, you know, one for nine against the Spurs. Uh, so uh, I think that's just one thing they're going to have to weather throughout this this season. But uh, I'm not I'm not completely worried about Gary. I think he's probably maybe a little overrated in Blazer fans' eyes. I, I still think he's a growing player. I don't think he's completely arrived, but. Boy, I sure sure would like to have him uh, moving forward. I, yeah, I, I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be a hell of a player. Yeah, he he does a lot of the things that people want now. Uh, he's you know mm-hmm. plays competitive defense and can shoot can really shoot it. I think that's um, every everyone in the league is looking for that. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not advocating for giving up on Gary. I'm just I'm saying. Uh, and I don't even think he, it's not like he needs to be the guy who scored 28 against the Lakers every night. They just need him to have. Uh, like a solid 15, a solid 12 off the bench every game um, yeah. and not yeah. 17 and then two to get your, you know, to end up with at your average. You know what, Mike, I've found you've gotten really negative. Me? <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. I'm pulling your Oh, game. I've actually always <laughs> been very negative. Um, <laughs> this is my sweet spot, Jason. <laughs> then why does Terry Stotts like you so much? Uh, he doesn't listen to the podcast. He does? No, he does. There's no way oh. he does. There's no way he does. He's uh, no, I don't know. He's he he used to read everything I write. I wrote. Um. So he's he does consume a lot of Blazer media, but I don't think he. I can't imagine he's sitting there listening listening on his uh, listening on his big old he, Android phone. He might be on his walks. You never know. It's true. He has he has he he does like to walk around and listen. Uh, I do think your point about Gary with inconsistent role, I hadn't really considered it sort of in the larger body uh, body of work. But last year when he was really dialed in, like before the bubble, he was they had they basically had seven dudes they could play. And Gary was guaranteed every single night, 25 minutes. And that was when he really hit his stride. So perhaps with a more defined role and a more sort of guaranteed role in the next two months, seven, six, seven weeks, um, maybe that'll really help him. I, I didn't I hadn't considered it sort of. Um, going, I hadn't considered as, as zooming out all the way to 10,000 feet with Gary Trent. So that's why we have you on the yeah. podcast, Jason, with the perspective. Well, yeah. I mean, but you know, for the last seven games, he's played 23 minutes or more. Right. That That's pretty consistent minutes. Sure. Um, and it's gone up as high as 31 minutes. So um, I I think he's getting consistent minutes. It's just more of where he's playing and who he's playing with that is maybe, uh, you know, varies from night to night. Yeah, I mean, it's very different if you're the third option behind CJ McCollum and, and Carmelo Anthony off the bench. Like, that is just a different role. Yeah. You know, that's um, not that yeah. that wasn't totally different from his role last year, but I think he expected a little, a larger slice of the pie, and that really hasn't happened yet. Yeah. You know, it's going to be um, interesting from a defensive standpoint that. You know, after the Atlanta game, I thought Dane brought up a really good point about 
the Blazers defense and the new defensive scheme that they're using. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, about how they're playing up more, but what it, that system that they're, they're trying to implement, it really puts an emphasis on weak side defense and weak right. side help. Right. And he said, so far that's been our biggest, biggest weakness. We don't have the trust to that people are, you know, they don't trust that if I leave my guy, another guy's going to help, you know, helping the helper. Exactly. They haven't mastered that yet. They do it sometimes, but not always. And what concerns me now is you get that by playing with each other and, sure. and knowing each other and like, okay, I know he's going to do that. But now they're going to have, they, they lost two guys, but three guys are going to replace CJ. You know, right. Hood's going to play more. Trent's going to play more. Simons is going to play more. Hood and Simons have barely played this year. So that's going to kind of toy with that chemistry or that building trust and that familiarity on the defensive end. Same thing at center. You know, Giles hasn't played that much. And now he's going to have to get, you know, on the same wavelength and that same string as they players like to talk about of, of defensive rotations and all that. And that concerns me from a defensive standpoint, because this team was showing signs, you know, the Atlanta game held, held the Hawks to 40 points in the second half. Yep. And uh, so that, that is a concern for me. Not, no, not necessarily just the straight up personnel, but just the change in personnel and how many new faces you're going to get in there, which disrupts that defensive chemistry that they were trying to build. Yeah, exactly. Like it's just it, it is another hurdle for a team that was already struggling. I think I think that's a good point. Yep. It's like it's it's not just okay, here we're going to figure it out. It's like okay, then there here's a new wrinkle is that um not only is it you, is it you're getting worse defenders behind Nurk, but you're getting guys who truly haven't been on the floor. Right. All right, let's come back in the third segment and talk about Damian Lillard. Uh, we've spent a lot of time worrying about all of the role players, but the NBA is defined by its stars. So let's take some time and talk about Damian Lillard. He's a guy who's capable of playing better and capable of being the best player on the floor every single time he plays. He's gotten close to that, but he hasn't sustained it for a long period of time. And now with a depleted roster, it might be time for Dame to, uh, put on his cape and do what he does. So that's what we'll talk about in the third segment. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listen to Lockdown Blazers, and we're still here chatting with Jason Quick of The Athletic. Talked about Gary Trent Jr. and what to make of him, but while the rest of sort of the backcourt counterparts are important, the Blazers are going to go as Dame does. The NBA, uh, the NBA calendar is jacked up, so saying this time last year doesn't really make any sense anymore. Right. But literally... Um, one year ago yesterday, January 20th, Damian Lillard scored 60 points against the Golden State Warriors. And he this was the beginning of his absolute tear when he was as good as we've ever seen him be until we got to the bubble mm-hmm. and he was that good again. Um, ten, he had a 10-game stretch in which he averaged 41 points, 41 and a half points, 5.7 rebounds, 9.4 assists, shot 52% from the floor, 52% from three, including almost seven makes a game 6.7 makes from deep uh is is he gonna have to tap back into that (laughs) uh probably yeah 
um, they're going to need – well, first of all, they're, they're going to need him to play better than he has. And that is not a knock. You still look at his numbers. He's been very good. But yeah, I, think I think he leads the NBA that. in like 30 point games. Like I think he's, he, you know, it's like he hasn't been yeah. great, but he still has the most 30 point games in the NBA. Like he's just, he, his level of okay is pretty impressive. Right. Like, like all Blazer fans know he can be better than he's been. Right. And again, that I want to be careful not to have people interpret that as I'm criticizing. You know, I'm not, I'm just saying we know he can play at a different level and, and he probably will now. And I think, uh, a lot of Dame this year has been wanting to get the likes of Derek Jones Jr. involved, uh, getting Nurk going mm-hmm. uh, at one point, and and kind of deferring at times to CJ, who was just playing uh, out of this world. So totally, I think now that he'll he'll read the room, so to speak, and go like, okay, they need me again. And uh, I think we'll probably see some some pretty big efforts from Damian uh, in, in the next couple of weeks. Am I being unreal? Like, I don't expect him to average forty and ten. Like, I, I'm not. I don't want to put the book <laughs> like the mark there. That seems silly. But like, he's capable of ramping it up, right? Like, he's he's um, maybe if he doesn't dial into shooting fifty percent from three on ten shots a game or whatever, twelve threes a game. But like, he's there's a level of him just not deferring, right? Like it's just, it's just as simple as he, he, he might shoot more. Is that, is that fair? Oh yeah. And, and we usually can tell pretty early in a game when, when he decides it's go time, you know, he has those first quarters where he just beelines to the hoop or he gets in a groove from three and he has a 17, 19 point quarter and it's on, uh, I don't. I don't think it's it's hard to to read Dame and where his mind's at in a right. any given game. Uh, he's usually pretty clear on establishing that that he's he's going to score on on a certain night. Now, of course, he does have some games where he'll have a big second half or a big fourth quarter, but historically, he has stretches where he shows up to games and and kind of puts his stamp on it early and. Uh, is aggressive early, and like I said, I I think those t- those games will likely be coming up now because he spent the first 14 games of the year worrying about the rest of his teammates, uh, wanting yeah. to get Derek Jones Jr. the op- open threes and getting Nurk rolling on the the pick and roll and and letting CJ be, um, you know, let him do his art. Uh, so now I I do think that that he'll take it more upon himself. He he has a really, and I think maybe it's what I like most about his game, is that he really understands how to set the tone. And sometimes the tone is, let's 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 give the ball to Nurk. And sometimes the tone is like, in that Oklahoma City series, the first shot of the series from Damian Lillard was a 35-footer from the right wing. He's like, cool, mm-hmm. dog. Like, this, this is what we're going to do for the whole time. Like, this is my plan, is that I'm going to just bury you. Um, and he has he just has a really, a real knack for knowing what tone to set with his play, with how, you know, how he interacts with guys. He's, um, he's just an impressive fellow, Jason. Nobody else like him. Yeah. Nobody else uh, like Jason Quick either. <laughs> but you know what? The thing, the thing you bring up about Dane 
it, it's so true is that whatever he does, you know, out there, whatever tone he's trying to set, his teammates feed off it. And, and they look to him for that, you know. Uh, he's such a great leader, and I, I know that's, you know, God, we say it all the time about him, but it's so true, and it, and it comes in so many different ways. And one of those is just the vibe and the uh, environment that he creates uh, on the court of of how they're going to play. Um, he's He's really, really impressive. And that's another reason why, you know, you asked earlier how concerned I am I about the Blazers right now. I said I wasn't because of their depth, but also because of Dame. Yeah. Dame is is an incredible player. He's one of the best players in the NBA, uh, but he's also one of the best leaders. And uh, he just has an ability to will this team to improbable victories. We've seen it year after year after year. And it seems like every time, like last year when he was going on that spree that you just talked about, mm-hmm. you know, we, we all go, gee, can you believe it? And it's like, well, yeah, actually, because <laughs> he does it all the time. He does stuff like this all the time. So I have a feeling we're in, in store for some, uh, some more remarkable Damian Miller moments. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if um, we're getting an, in the next, say, three weeks, we're getting a new Damian Lillard career high. Um, 61. Oh, you're saying trouble. over 60, huh? Yeah, I mean, he's, first of all, they're bad on defense. <laughs> they're going to need to score yeah. some points. Uh, and he doesn't, in the past, he, you know, even when he was hot, he had CJ on the wing. And now it's like he looks yeah. over on the wing and it's like, with all due respect to Rodney Hood, it's like, all right, I'm, I'm still going to shoot it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe, maybe I'm calling my shot. Maybe this is like I'm trying to balance off my pessimism from earlier in the program. But uh, well, he's he's getting to the line a ton, which helps. Yeah, that, that'll help his scoring outputs. Um, yeah, and that that too, you know, he's been really aggressive. He's been getting to the line, so uh, that bodes well. Yeah, what I'm saying is get your record books out, get your media guide out, Jason. <laughs> Start looking up, looking up Blazer records because it's coming. All right. Uh, Jason, thank you so much for lending your time. Uh, I'm not going to make you plug your stuff. I'll do it for you. If you are listening to the show and you are not familiar with Jason Quick, you are a very, very special type of fan. And let me just tell you, nobody has been covering the team longer and better than Jason. His work at The Athletic is worth the price of the subscription alone, and you get a whole bunch of other shit with it. So get yourself an athletic subscription so you can read everything Jason writes, and hopefully he'll join us on the program again soon so we can chat with him. Of course I will, Michael. Can we get you, can we, can we get you to commit to that right here, Jason, on wax? Absolutely. All right, good. You're coming back. You heard it here, folks. He's coming back. Uh, don't follow Jason on Twitter. Just, just pay to read his work. That's my advice. <laughs> I'm not a big Twitter guy anymore, Mike. Yeah, I know. You've dropped off. So I'm just saying um, there's a place to find him. It's behind a paywall and it's worth every damn penny. Appreciate it, Michael. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked on Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.